Well, good morning or whatever time it is you're listening to. I, I just had good morning Vietnam go through my You head. almost said it. I, I almost do it. I almost said it. I, I, Robin Williams, man. Anyway. Um, I know who that is. <laughs> movie we, reference, I we, got that one. We made a movie. I know what he's talking about. I understood that reference. <laughs> but he didn't get Paul, that reference. <laughs> Paul no, is, I missed that one. <laughs> uh, Paul is Captain America. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, anyway, we're glad that y'all are with us um, again. Um, I uh, This is the, the week after Easter. Yep. Um, and, you know, in, in, in some ways, there's, there's kind of a, um, if you'll pardon the term, a, a, a church hangover that happens <laughs> um, after Easter. And it feels like, you know. We may need to restart this whole podcast. <laughs> Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just, just uh, got off that crazy train. Um, but uh, this is this is uh, you know just another classic example of why we're doing this is to to help um, make sure that that we're not uh, we're not just um, engaging with this stuff on Sunday, um, but we're we're actually um, remembering what we did last week. Maybe in some cases remembering what we did two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. As the case is this time, trying to trying to look back at the beginning of Daniel two yep. um, that Paul took us through two weeks ago. It seems like a lot longer than that to me. It does right now, but um, we're um, excited to jump into it and to to look at um, what's coming up. Uh, and and there's there's a lot to go through. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, hand it over to you, Chris. You talk through. Yeah, we when we're talking about coming from Easter. Um, breaking away from um, this, it, it is fascinating, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, that that the, the great mountain that we're going to see that's broken apart and then smashes all the other kingdoms. We, Spoiler alert. Sorry, Come on, man. Sorry, that that's, that is, Jesus is fulfilling that at Palm Sunday yeah. and fulfilling Palm Sunday through uh, the crucifixion and then through the resurrection. And so... Um, it, it, it's more natural than it would seem to go back to this, right back in the middle of this story. It's almost like we broke out of the story. If we timed it a little more perfectly, we might have been a little further along um, into the dream sequence. But, um, yeah, again, it's, it's it, to me, it just, it's not hard to go back to this. And It's funny but, to me when you talk about us timing things because yeah. we don't really do that. <laughs> yeah, we don't do as much of that as, I mean, we did teach on Easter uh, on, on Easter. Easter. That, was that nice. wasn't very intentional. Yeah, very intentional. Yeah, we, we planned that one well. The um, um, But <clears throat> as we're talking about this conversation, going back to Daniel chapter 2, like you said, Paul, you took us through kind of the introduction to this mm-hmm. whole thing, and then, um, you know, where we're going to be this Sunday, going through the Daniel's interaction, what the dream actually is, probably the next week before we get to what the interpretation of the dream is. And so one of the topics I wanted to bring to this table that I mentioned a minute ago, but um, is is this idea of how we, as Christians, how do we engage with things like dreams? Um, and as we talked about it, even broader than that, visions, mysteries, um, all of that kind of stuff. Because we, we do see this all through Scripture. All through. And I don't, I don't know how much wrestling with that we do. I don't know 
if I don't know is, if anybody has experienced that, like yeah. how we could talk about it. If, if this is sounding like we're, we're talking about something that you don't remember at all, this is a great opportunity for you to stop the podcast and go read your Bible. Yeah. Because there's no harm in that. Just go, go stop the podcast, go read Daniel 1 and 2. Yep. That'd be a great way to, <laughs> to, to start this thing over. Yep. Yeah, but what we definitely get here with this concept when we were talking about now now we have a dream that a king has and now we have a request um from a servant to the lord to reveal so to have some mystery or some form of something secretive or with not known now to been revealed and then that to come in a in a vision a vision of the night mm-hmm. these ideas of uh, visions and of dreams, oftentimes in scriptures, are to serve the purpose, to serve the revelation of something that God is saying. One simply being happening when you're asleep, the other happening when you're awake. Right. But even even as far back in Numbers 12, when Miriam and Aaron oppose Moses, um, the, the Lord pulls them together, pulls Aaron and Moses, and says, listen to my words, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is apparently is a, at least a, a methodology yeah. of the Lord of he, as he is interacting with all of humanity, trying to make a revelation of himself to them. One of the avenues that he does this apparently is in his words to those in revelation to visions and in dreams. Yeah. Be interesting if that, uh, and this is, totally off subject and forgive me for wasting our time. It'd be interesting if that, like uh, if God saying that somehow like that was him saying that, look, Moses isn't a prophet. He's talking to me directly. Oh, interesting. But I have no idea. That's, yeah. It's his, his relationship with Moses was very special face to face conversation. Not that's silly. Let's move on. Um, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's worthwhile, but yeah, Hebrews the writer of Hebrews wrestles with that. But I think this is important, especially for us, as we think about maybe a role of of, of vision or of a mystery. Really, really, probably, I would say the biggest is the revelation of Scripture mm-hmm. and the mystery that is found mm-hmm. in Scripture. That, again, when we're saying mystery here, it, it's not something like spooky or secretive or something that we got to solve right, or right. put out. Like the, it, the is, mystery van. This isn't a Scooby Doo moment. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this isn't that. I think it's it's truly that it's something being revealed by. God, right, um, and that's that's what I think these characters are praying is that they're they're praying that God would reveal something about yep. Himself, um, something that would be true in this circumstance. And I think that that's a important mindset when we even think about God's biggest revelation to us, most mm-hmm. concrete in Scripture, is how many of the times when we're thinking, well, we we don't know what to do. We have something where we're just we're unsure of what this is, or how to process this, or how to think through this. Um, and if, and if we simply just kind of sit back and say, well, we'll, we'll just kind of figure it out as we go, or we'll just kind of, I guess we'll know the answer once it's all solved, you know, right. type mentality rather than to know we have a revelation of from God in scripture. Let's turn to that first. Let's go to him. And then in prayer saying, use your revelation to reveal this to me, to make known to me, yeah. you know, not necessarily thinking all, all, all about that. There needs to be this um, you know, extra source of 
God giving you a special dream or giving right. you a special vision or revealing to you. Cause I know at least again, as we joked about leading up to this and I even mentioned when I preached, like I'm not one who remembers my dreams. Right. Um, I probably don't place a high value on dreams. Now I don't also well, that, that also, I mean, it, God is actually saying things to you in your dreams and you just are ignoring them. Right. Completely. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what I'm getting and at. And the rest of us are like, well, that would have been nice to know, Paul. But I remember it was the first time that I heard, uh, as a teenager, uh, a guy who was addicted to drugs and left his drug addiction because he found the power of Christ. And I remember thinking, "Man, I want a faith like that. Like I want. I wish my story was yeah, that yeah, big." Story, you know? yeah. In the same way, I may hear, I, I'll hear about you know friends who are missionaries in Muslim countries and God right. using dreams to to draw them specifically to come to a Bible study. Right. You know, like you hear some crazy stuff. Miraculous. Think, not yeah, explainable miraculous outside of it. Yeah. And for me to think, oh, well, I must have a Christianity that's subpar or yeah. I must not be doing my faith. Cause I don't have those stories. I don't have these big mysteries or revelations. And yet at the same time, I think when I'm, when I'm, when I'm tempted to think that what I'm actually doing is I'm looking down at scripture and I'm not holding scripture to the worth that it is. That that's this is the revelation. Yep. Well, and even in Scripture, so we got lots of people. So real quick, who are some people who have dreams in the Bible? Like, obviously, Daniel. Joseph's a famous one. Mm-hmm. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh's dreams. Um, um, is uh, Joseph Jesus' stepfather? Is, is that a dream? He has a dream, yeah. Isn't that? <clears throat> God um, comes to him in a dream. I think that's another one. That's then, one. Uh, I'm trying to I think, think Jacob has some dreams. Yes, the the Jacob's ladder is a dream. Is a dream, maybe. Okay. Um, who else? Um, oh, the Magi, the wise men. They have really? a dream. That's that's to, a to warn them not to go back. Oh yeah. Is is Joseph going to Egypt? Is that a dream? See, and already again, we're like even when you were listing those, I was already thinking about like John, and then I'm thinking, oh wait, vision. Yeah, John had and a vision. Dreams, you know, because again, John's are visions. Paul's yeah. seem to be visions. But here's what strikes me. Yeah, By I'm the not way, sure how many of those are visions and how many are dreams. This is interesting. Um, one of the ones that jumps out to me, we watched The Passion this week with Holland for the first time. Mm-hmm. And they, they, a lot of energy is spent on Pontius Pilate's wife in The Passion of the Christ. And, uh, you know, she was she had a dream telling her don't to, to tell Pontius Pilate to stay away from the Galilean or whatever it was. So <clears throat> that's an interesting one. But notice, so... I think I think if we worked hard, we would find. Okay, let's say we found thirty people in the Bible who had some kind of supernatural dream. Dream out of you know three thousand years of biblical history, ish. I know it's further back than that, probably, but but of of that we can count. So about three thousand years. So and hundreds of people, thousands of people in the Bible, and maybe we could come up with thirty. Yeah. So again, I think that shows us this is not the norm. God does this, but yeah. He doesn't always do this. This isn't a universal experience. Yeah. Um, Ginger has a a very significant dream where God spoke her name, and and it's very like she's a hundred percent convinced, and so I am too that this was a message from God communicating to her at a time when she needed that encouragement um, through a dream. Again, like you just read, He does that. But I, I also agree that it's a mistake to think, well, I haven't had a dream like that, so there must be something wrong with my faith. You know who I'm really uh, encouraged with with this? Um, Chris Rice, who was one of my yeah. songwriting heroes. 
growing up. Um, he has uh, a song called Smelled the Color Nine, uh-huh. um, uh, where he talks uh, in it in some interesting imagery about, uh, about faith. Um, and one of the lines in it is um, uh, that he's never um, had a, a vision and he's never heard God's voice, um, but somehow God has led him here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not looking for burning bushes. And um, anyway, it was it, when I heard that in one of his songs, I was so encouraged because it was like this guy that I respect a whole lot that you can see God very clearly working in his ministry and in the songs that he's writing. Um, he he doesn't have some special revelation. He has the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's what we all have. And we're, empowered by the spirit to read the word and to understand it. Yeah. There definitely seems like there's a side to you would be undervaluing the gift that you have in the revelation of God's word in scripture to, to wish for something more. There's something totally appropriate though, to wish for God to continue to reveal himself. And that seems appropriate. And it even seems appropriate through dreams. I mean, we read, even last time when we preached of Genesis 40, verse 8, when Joseph says uh, to those in prison, do not, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. I mean, yeah. dreams, apparently, the interpretation of them is something that belongs to God. Um, even, even thinking back to the, the concept of how much does, you know, James chapter 4 play into this, where it's, we have not because we're not asking, you know? Yeah, right. But there seems like there's something to the amount that we that we could still ask and hold appropriately. And then like all things on a pendulum, we could take that too far. Sure. And we could make too much of something that's not there, or we could be doing it where we're not seeking God to reveal something, but we're seeking something we want revealed to ourselves. Um, That's like the uh, Ecclesiastes five, you know, warning much, much dreaming and many words are meaningless, you know, therefore fear God. Like if you're fearing God and you're seeking him for what he's doing, not for what you're trying to get, out of the process, then yeah, there just seems to be something of a spectrum there that you got to be careful on what you're not undervaluing and what you're not putting inappropriate significance on. Yeah. Well, and it, I mean, <clears throat> Paul talks about this in first Corinthians 12, the idea that, uh, you know, we, we all want these gifts. We all want that gift. And yeah, um, just think of that too, whatever. And it's like these, you know, some of these weaker, uh, parts of our body are covered and, and given greater honor and stuff like that. And, um, there's, there's not supposed to be, you know, just because God gives someone else in the body of Christ, you know, this time or earlier or whatever, um, a different gift than he gives us. It's, it's, it's for the edification of the whole body, right? It's for the, the, whatever the whole body. And so there's supposed to be unity there. If these, you know, you know, the, the jealousy, I guess that could happen from, from that, that, that would cause disunity and that, that defeats the whole purpose of having it. And then that leads into well, know, the love being the superior. Way. In that passage, Paul even talks about the difference between a gift, like speaking in tongues yeah. that, that may encourage me and may lift up my faith and may, may encourage me to experience. Mm. But he says, I would rather have a gift that allowed me to equip church rather than one that just encourages me and that's why i don't know if both i've of never you... thought about dreams in that 
yeah, terminology I, either. I would I would think in term I would think a dream would fall into the heading of knowledge, like the what Paul seems to talk about with the gift of there's a supernatural version of okay, I can't know this unless God told me. No no other way for me to know this. And maybe that's maybe dreams, visions kind of fall into that. Well, the Apostle John could not describe. That's actually my main concern with the idea of interpreting Revelation through the lens of it's just a commentary on the Roman government at the time and that John had to kind of hide that in apocalyptic language. And my main, the, the main thing I don't like about that is that that takes the book of Revelation and just turns it into something John wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer it's no longer information that only God could provide about the future, which to me is what's so cool about it is the idea that God is giving insight that John couldn't have outside of these visions mm-hmm. that he has. Um, and there's plenty of places in the Bible we don't know. I was just thinking about like, you know, how, how do, when Moses writes about creation, we traditionally think it was Moses who wrote that stuff. So how would he know? He wasn't there. So God either told him or showed him, and he wrote it down. And we just don't, we don't know by what method Moses found that stuff out. So I this thought is that was oral cool. tradition. But it is, but someone had to. Down. Someone had to. Yeah. God had to tell somebody about it. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, even even if Adam was writing what he knew, it would have started on day six. So that's true. <clears throat> um. Anyway, I think this is a cool. A cool thing. So, one. So, what would you? What do you do now? If somebody comes to you and says, "Okay, I had a dream. I had a vision. Uh, I had a near-death experience." Mm-hmm. I would say, "Was it a dream or a vision?" Because those are two very two different. very different. <laughs> yeah, we want to cl- first. <laughs> was it most a mystery? Of, most importantly, we want to clarify which one it is. Because that's yeah, part of the mystery, I guess. <laughs> Were you awake or asleep? I can't answer till you tell me. Um, so how would you deal with that? Because that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you guys how you guys wrestle through that when you get that kind of thing. I'd probably ask them what they ate right before they went to sleep. Yep. Just to make sure. Because, you know, those are related, evidently. <laughs> I think focusing first on the response seems appropriate. Okay. Like, what, what are you going to do with it? Okay. And I think that there's, that even almost plays back into our Daniel 2 passage mm-hmm. here. Is because we have the dream, then we have the dream revealed, but we don't get the meaning, the interpretation right next. Like when we won't tell next week. That's right. Like what we get now is we get the attitude of those who's received God's revelation. That's a great point. And so I think the po- purpose here in this part of the narrative is to focus in on their attitude. What what is What attention are they bringing to this? What is their response? And when we know their response, their response is to bless God, to praise God, right. to give him glory. I mean, that's what Daniel's what he writes is trying to encourage that. And so um, I think that there is something first to say, you know, if, if what is somebody now doing with this? Good. So if they've had this and now they're scheming to do something other than give glory and credit to God, right. Then it's like, Oh, you're probably off base. Or if it's now elevated to a position or an attitude that they're not then receiving what, what the Lord would be teaching spiritually then it's like, oh, well, you're off base. And so, yeah, I think that there's something f- seemingly first with the attitude. Good. What would you do with the attitude? That's a good one. My, my first one, my go-to is, is it, again, is it biblically sound? Yeah. That's the first thing that, like, so when I read books that are like near-death books, near-death experience type books, because people will read that, and they're, they're touched by it, and they want you to read it. <clears throat> Sorry. And I read it, and I'm going, 
okay, this person has a vision of hell where there's demons torturing people in hell. That's, I mean, this is great. They may have a dream or a vision, but it's not biblical. Right. Like that's, they've, they've read Dante, they've not read the Bible. Or, so the image they have, is it a real image? I don't know. Is it a real vision? Is it even from God? I don't know that I can say for certain, but it's clearly not meant to be doctrinal right. because it doesn't match what the Bible teaches about hell. And so that's one of my, always my first concerns is, well, tell me about it and what you've learned from it. And if they go, well, um, I had, for example, in counseling, I had a guy tell me that, that essentially through a God-given vision slash dream, I don't remember exactly, but that it was that he needed to divorce his wife. Right. And, and I was like, I, I feel confident God did not send that to you mm-hmm. and because I can go to Scripture. And so that's, that's the, I think, what you're <clears throat> maybe engaging with as well is the, the risk of revelation isn't the revealer necessarily it's us not being all that good at knowing necessarily when it comes from god or not and so yeah is it biblically sound and what type of response does it create in us those are two good yeah. thoughts and i think i use the same thing when somebody says the holy spirit has called me there you go prompted me yeah it's it's kind of well let me look at the bible and what how is the holy spirit moved mm. and how is it done and if it lines up with what i see there then say great there's there seems to be Bless something you. that's in that when it doesn't, or it seems like it's in search circumstance outside of that, then I have to look at, well, then what, what are you claiming with this? Yeah. Because then if you're claiming something that then in application is against scripture, then you know, well, again, we, we can't, we, we can't something. go with that. Then we yeah. can't go with it. If it's, well, now I have a new word of the Lord and something that scripture didn't reveal, you know, something now, a, a new book to add to this whole thing, you know. <laughs> that, that would never happen. That would never happen. But the, then, then, you know, okay. I, do, I couldn't say by what you experienced that that couldn't have been the Holy Spirit, but I certainly can say by what application you're taking it as. Mm. That's against the way the Holy Spirit wanted you to apply it. Um, and, I, and I think similarly, even back to what you were saying about the gifting conversations, the idea of a personal gift and a, and a corporate gift and the yeah. application of those, I think that's also an, a, a, a pretty necessary hand in this. Yeah. So if, if, if I say, you know, again, if, the Lord comes to me and and in a dream and, and reveals that I should, um, I I should be spending three hours a day in prayer. You know, well maybe maybe I should, and maybe He's telling me. But if I go and I write a book that says all Christians should, who don't spend three hours in prayer are disobeying God's there will, you go. then it's probably pr- problematic. You know, I think similarly, and and what I'm really drawing that against is is the idea of a a biblical conviction and a personal conviction. Yeah. Um, and we all know that. We know that the that, w- that the Bible even has stories of people who are convicted at higher levels, different levels, set-apart levels, holy levels. Right. That thus, by th- it is appropriate for them to hold to that conviction because God right. gave them that specifically. But to take that specific conviction and apply it generally to all, then that's where they're missing, missing the point. Yeah. Okay, so... How about this? How comfortable are we resting in some of these mysteries? What do you mean? That, that language is used also. I was just teaching through um, Ephesians five today, and I mean, it, in Ephesians five, when he's talking about marriage, Paul ends this little passage by saying, "This is a great mystery." Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and I don't even know that I don't think Paul is saying that I've now completely unraveled or revealed of course not paul's not married 
Yeah, exactly. For Paul, for Paul, marriages, the the coordination of marriage and headship and church relationship to Christ, the way those interact and intertwine, is a mystery. Mm, yeah. Um, and and again, I think it's even more than just you know the fact that women are mysterious to us as men. Um, John's coming John. on with the book soon. Don't That's worry. right. He's going to explain it. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> I want I want the forward by Lori. That's all. As long as the forward's by Lori, I'm okay The forward's going to say, don't listen to anything he says. <laughs> this man doesn't know anything. <laughs> so, but that's, I think yeah. there's a, I don't, I don't, I like mysteries because I like solving mysteries. I don't know how comfortable I am enjoying and resting in mysteries but See, i believe I, they're yeah. all through scripture i feel like that's that's way more that's way more of a natural thing for me to do than it is for probably either one of you but especially you chris like i don't i don't have a problem resting in that i am i'm very much aware of how little i know about everything well um, at the same time it's i like the analogy of of like you said you you like reading mysteries or watching mysteries because the constant thing you're doing is you're learning a little bit more Mm -hmm. towards an end Mm. result. Mm -hmm. And even when you think about that with any aspect of our sanctification, um, you know, marriage is a mystery. It's an institution by God because it communicates something about who God is. Right. And those of us who are married have learned so much more about that. He's revealed, you know, this aspect where we're like gaining pieces of this, kind of end result, but yet we're not going to fully understand how marriage is the true reflection as a, as a parable, living parable of God's love until we are in final form with him. It's like the end of the book, the end of the mystery, the end of the thing of the movie is going to be finally when we're in glory with him. And now this whole time we get to enjoy the process of going more. Yeah. All, all knowledge is, is further up and further in as CS Lewis said, Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the idea that you're, you're constantly gaining that, and and the the real danger is humanity is to, is to ever think that we have achieved the top of any of it. Yeah, well, that's the that's one of the great values, or I don't know what values the right word. One of the great powers to me about studying uh, an eternal person mm-hmm. like my wife, or studying an infinite God who's not merely eternal but infinite. Mm-hmm. Like it's that it doesn't. There's no amount of time that will allow you to fully know him, and and even as he reveals himself, and we get to know him. I mean, I, I assume that's forever. That we're forever getting to know him, and mm-hmm. that's again maybe that's part of the that the understanding who he is, much less getting to know another person, would take forever. Yeah, and to get to know him <clears throat> in a way that's unlike any other. Yeah, because we will be found in him. Right. And no, no one, it's not the angelic beings are found in him. They're not made in his likeness. They're not, it's like, we will, we share his righteousness. We will have the glory that he has. Like we will be a part of him. And so to get to know him to like, you're saying for all of eternity to keep going and going, we're going to get to in a very, very special way. I've never, uh, and this may be something we can come back to next time because we've run out of time, but it'd be interesting to look at the uh, scripture where it talks about, um, uh, we will know as we are known. Yeah. Um, if if that's a if that's a uh, future 
um, what do you call it? The one that keeps going infinite. Um, or if it's a one-time thing. And even if it is like, what, what, what exactly is he saying there? It's all really good stuff and, and good things to, to be thinking about. Um, but until, um, Sunday and then, you know, the week after that and all of that, um, we, I guess are hoping and praying that y'all have sweet dreams. Exactly. Given well to you by the Lord and that Paul remembers his. <laughs> if they're good. Yeah. Well, either way, if they've got a word from the Lord, we want to know about it. That's so, a good point. Come on, Paul. 